0: changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark.
1: Hey, it's Amy Newmark and it's Friend Friday. Today, we're gonna talk about reinventing yourself, which is a big theme in our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes. And I'm excited to introduce you to one of the writers in that book, John Davis Walker, who has reinvented himself more than once. And you've actually seen him many times in films and TV shows. Today, we're going to talk about his journey from the Merchant Marines to becoming a Hollywood producer, to becoming a successful actor. John, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast.
0: Hi, Amy. How are you?
1: I'm good. So John Davis Walker, I'm going to give your bio to everybody first. He's originally from Pensacola, Florida. He joined the U.S. Merchant Marine in 1980, and then he worked his way up from a deckhand position to being an officer and then to being a ship's captain in the U.S. and Panama, and he traveled worldwide for 20 years before retiring to Hollywood. He resides there now, and he works as an actor and model, which doesn't really make it seem like you retired, John. You're not exactly retired, are you? You're a very busy working actor.
0: I try to keep busy. Well, when I retired from the Merchant Marine, I mean, I sat around for a while, and that wasn't much fun. So uh, I came to Hollywood, and then uh, I just kind of got a job as a producer because I could raise money for different projects. I'd had that experience in the past, and uh, and then that evolved into the acting profession, and uh, I've been doing that for the last four years.
1: I know that there was a really weird coincidence that led to your first acting gig. Why don't you tell our listeners how that came about?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Here in Hollywood, they used to have a hair salon, which I used to go to, called Barber Dolls. And it was kind of a sports-themed place. And uh, and the owner, he he hired hot girls to cut your hair. And so he was, he was a young guy, and he was always having parties and stuff there. And this one particular night, he had a party there and he hired a couple of pole dancers. And so uh, he had these two girls that were dancing. And uh, a lot of the guys at the party were like really young and they didn't have any money. So these girls were working for tips and they weren't getting tipped. So I decided to uh, show these guys how it was done. So I went and got a changed a hundred dollar bill into singles. And then while they were dancing, I would rain money on them. So that way the girls, they, uh, you know, they got paid. And hopefully, uh, I was hoping these guys would uh, take the hint, but unfortunately none of them did.
1: Then what happened next? This is not exactly a chicken soup story, but I think it's pretty funny that only in Hollywood would you have a hair salon like this.
0: Exactly. So uh, anyway, I ended up meeting the girls that night and uh, being introduced to them. They loved me because I took them. But, you know, it was just a, a brief introduction. I never expected to see or hear from them ever again. And, you know, it was my first time that night meeting them. So I live in Hollywood. So there was a grocery store that I went, I shopped at frequently and To get to the grocery store, I had to walk down the Hollywood Walk of Fame past all these Hollywood landmarks. And one day uh, I went there and I was on my way back home. And I was passing in front of the, it was, at that time it was Grauman's Chinese Theater, now it's the TCL Chinese Theater. And so I was passing by the uh, Chinese Theater and a friend of mine who was a street performer on... uh, Hollywood Boulevard she dressed up as a cat woman she was out there and so I was talking with her and she said that some friends of hers were shooting a film making a short film and they needed someone to play a homeless guy and so she asked me if I'd mind doing it and so I said sure I don't care and uh, so, what do I got to do? And they said, All you got to do is just sit down here on the Walk of Fame. Well, they didn't actually tell me what was going to happen. They just said, Sit here and then we're going to start filming and then you'll see what's going on. And so I sat down on the Walk of Fame on one of the stars and they started filming. And this girl came walking up to me and she had, it was like, I guess in November or something. So it was a little chilly. And so she had a coat on. And so she takes her coat off and then, you know, she's, you know, let's say scantily clad. She walks up to me and she's holding money. And then she takes the money and she starts raining money on me, on on my head while I'm sitting there on the Walk of fame. And so that was the scene they needed me for. Uh, it took about 20 seconds. So anyway, when the scene was finished and they yelled cut. You know, I got up and was starting to walk off and the girl looked at me and she goes, John. And I looked at her and I actually didn't recognize her first. And she goes, don't you remember me? We met at barber dolls a few months ago. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, it was, I was the girl, me and the two girls. We were uh, dancing that night there. And then, you know, I finally, uh, my memory uh, kicked in and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, now I do remember you. And so that little scene in that film, Monsanto Lime, started my acting career. You know, I figured if I could get booked on that gig, I might be able to get booked on some more. And I soon discovered that there's a great demand for older actors and there's not a large pool to work with compared to young people that all come to Hollywood, you know, to live their dream. And so consequently, I've been looked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times on all kinds of different gigs.
1: We're going to come back after a break and hear more about the day-to-day business of getting cast and shooting and what your life is like as a very busy actor. Okay, we're back with John Davis Walker, who has told us how he got into the acting business. And now I want to talk about what it's like to be a regular working actor, how you get cast, how the productions work, what your life is like, because I think most of us don't really know what goes on on set, especially for just the regular actors who are like the backbone of the industry. So how did you, when you went from Being the homeless man on the sidewalk to getting gigs regularly, did you go and find yourself an agent or how did that work?
0: Oh, no, you've got to have actual experience to get an agent. What I'd been doing for a couple of years before that, it was during the, you know, the Great Recession back about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And uh, what I'd been doing was I'd been submitting uh, myself and some friends of mine for different court shows and so i would find these listings on craigslist for these different court show gigs a lot of people don't know but uh a lot of the stories on those court shows are actually made up they're they're not real stories and uh, they have writers for them just like any any television or movie show and so i would basically just write a story and then submit it and if they like the story Me and my friend, we would actually go act that story out on camera for the show.
1: You'd be the plaintiff or the defendant, and you and your friend would each take a part? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I have not watched very many of those shows, but I had no idea. I guess I'm very naive. I had no idea they were totally made up.
0: Exactly. And yeah, I mean, some of them are real, but some of them are complete fabrications. It just depends on the show. Anyway I'd been doing that I'd done that several times in the past, and so I knew a source for acting gigs which other people didn't use. a lot of people they they go to these casting agencies and they pay money to get themselves booked out and uh, you know and hopefully you'll make enough money to pay for your casting service to make it worthwhile and so consequently, a lot of them you know, have to work other jobs and stuff like that to make ends meet, which I don't have to do. So what I would do was I I knew a source where there were a lot of different, uh, acting gigs and they were non-union gigs. I'm not in, I'm not a set member of SAG or or AFTRA. And so I would find these gigs on Craigslist and I would submit and I kept getting picked over and over and over and over and over again. And, uh, The four years that I've been actively acting, I've probably booked 90, 95% of the work I've gotten from uh, different postings I found on Craigslist.
1: That is fascinating. I had no idea that that was a way to break into the acting business. And you work very regularly. I mean, how many days a year are you getting work?
0: Oh, probably 250, something like that.
1: That that's really amazing. I mean, there are so many people who can't do that at all. And I think if people look up your picture, they'll realize they've seen you on all kinds of films and television shows. You've been in hundreds of them. And I'm sure I'm going to see you a lot going forward. So when you go and you're in, say, a movie and you've got, you know, a tiny part, which is still a huge accomplishment, obviously. Do you go back over and over or do they shoot all of your scenes in you know a short period of time?
0: It depends on the film. They have uh, a shooting schedule, which I'm never privy to that because I'm not part of production. I'm talent. I've I'm, I'm gone on a set and sit there for 10 hours, and then they, they decide they're going to uh, shoot the scene, and then we go and shoot the scene, and it might take us an hour or two, and then, and then they wrap us and send us home, and you've been there for 10 or 12 hours waiting to shoot one scene and then shooting it and then going home. It depends totally on the project. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's whatever they feel like doing. I've tried to figure it out and I, I've never I've never come up with uh, anything.
1: Yeah, I know some productions are shot chronologically, but some are shot like, oh, we're going to be in this one venue that we rented. We have to shoot everything that's going to happen in this venue, even if It's at all different points in the movie that that venue shows up. So I didn't know if you had to be doing something and then they say, okay, it's six months later, but it's 10 minutes later, now you have to do the next scene.
0: That totally depends on the script.
1: And when you're there and you're one of the smaller actors, basically, do you mix with the stars as well or are you guys segregated to a different area?
0: Most of the time they segregate us. Occasionally I'll get to... uh... I did a film, uh, came out, uh, in June Stalked by my doctor patients revenge. It's a lifetime movie. And, uh, and Eric Roberts, uh, he was the star of the film and it's, it was a trilogy actually. Uh, that was the third one in the series. And, uh, he was just kind of walking around on set, you know? And so I, I've just walked up to, I, well, actually I was lucky because the, uh, The guy who was the uh, location manager on that shoot, he's in a rock band and I did two music videos for him. Or I was in two of his music videos, I should say. So I knew I could kind of get away with things that I couldn't normally get away with on a set just because I knew somebody in the production team. So Eric Roberts was walking around and so I I just walked up to him and I was like, "Uh, do you mind if I get your autograph? And he goes, No, that'd be that's fine. And so I actually carry a little autograph book with me, and I got his autograph. And then a few minutes later, I was like, you know, I really want a picture. So I had my uh, phone, and my friend and I were standing there. And we could see him, he was about 20 feet away. And so I took my phone and took a picture of him. And then Eric Roberts saw me take the picture. And he goes, Hey, you delete that picture. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I'm not going to post it or anything. And he goes, no, uh, he goes, I want you to delete the picture. And I was like, I promise I won't post it. He walks up and he goes, no, delete the picture. We're going to take a better one together.
1: Oh, That's nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. He come walking up and he uh, he walked around behind me, put his arms around my neck and then told my friend, the uh, location manager, he said, here, take his phone and take the, uh, take a good picture. And so I have this great picture with Eric
1: Roberts because of that. Well, that's great. Well, where can people learn more about you?
0: I have a page on the Internet Movie Database, uh, John Davis Walker, and that's got a lot of the bigger productions listed. It The Internet Movie Database tells you you can get information on every single actor that's ever acted, And every single production that registers with them. So a website that's owned by Amazon, it's like an industry standard. Everybody wants to get their projects posted on there. Music videos, commercials, stuff like that, they're not posted on there, which is a lot of the work I do.
1: Yeah, I looked you up on IMDb, and I know I only saw a fraction of your total work.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Thank you, John Davis Walker. I'm saying the name again. People could go on Google Images and see who you are, and then they'll say, oh, I know that guy. And I know I'll be seeing you on the screen all the time now that I know who you are and that you're in the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. So thanks for joining us today on the podcast.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Amy. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
1: And thank you, everybody who's listening today. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, to learn more about the book, that John wrote a story for Chicken Soup for the Soul The Power of Yes and come back Monday to hear two more stories from the book stories that will help you embrace change and make sure that you don't get stuck in a rut